0: Well, hey everyone. Today we are looking at John chapter 8, which is a pretty well-known passage about the woman who was caught in adultery. But of course it's about so much more than that. It's really about how we as Christians are to handle the tension between God's law and God's grace, which is not easy to do. It's the push and the pull that exists in the gospel that Aaron was talking about last week. It's the sinew and the bone. And so I'm excited to share with you this Passage today because one, it is incredibly relevant to us, and two, because I found it personally to be really encouraging. Lately, I've had so many conversations with people about how, as Christians, we frequently find ourselves in no win situations these days. For example, like I feel like anything I say on social media can be used against me. I mean, unless it's a cute picture of my kids, it all just feels like a trap, to be honest. I mean, people just want to fight, they want to argue. And not just in social media, but in real-life conversations. When hard topics come up, people don't really want to hear one another. They want to argue with one another. And I know I'm not alone when I just say it's all so frustrating, but this text reminds me that this tension that we live in, this climate, is nothing new. People were always trying to trap Jesus. And ever since, people have always been trying to trap His followers. And this passage reminds me and encourages me that these situations, they don't always have to be lose-lose. They really can be win-win for everyone if, and I know that's a big if, but if we can learn to handle these moments the way that Jesus did. And so today we're going to learn about six things we need to do as we watch and learn from Jesus himself. So John chapter 8 verses 1 through 11, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, Now here, when they called him teacher, they were being sarcastic. They were mocking him, like, if you're so smart, you know. So their goal here is not to learn from him. Their goal is to publicly humiliate him. And so they say, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And then verse 6 says they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. Okay, so the first thing we need to do is we need to see, number one, that it's a trap. Say that with me. Say it like you're panicking. Say, it's a trap, right? Now, I know, I, I know, I don't know actually how, I don't know how this phrase became so popular, but apparently it became popular in the movie Star Wars. It was Return of the Jedi when the Rebel fleet was trying to destroy the Death Star, and, but during their mission, they got completely ambushed. And then Admiral Ackbar famously said, it's a trap. And now this phrase lives on and t-shirts and posters and memes everywhere. I don't know. You can look it up. But I say this to say, when we are in situations where we feel like we are being ambushed, we need to recognize that it's a trap, right? And if this movie quote or funny meme helps you remember that, then great. But the point is we have to be discerning and we have to be ready. We can't be naive about the fact that we are being ambushed. We, we need to see it for what it is. We need to see that it's a trap. Jesus, he knew this was a trap. He saw this coming a mile away. These scribes and these Pharisees, they were always trying to trap him and trick him into saying something that they could use against him. And so when they heard about this woman who was caught in adultery, they thought, this is perfect. This will get him for sure. And what's so obvious and honestly so sad is that they cared nothing about this woman. They didn't even care about her situation. She was just a pawn that they needed to prove their point. And what's crazy and sad is that they were ready to actually stone her to death in order to poke holes in Jesus's theology. I mean, talk about people's heart not being in the right place, right? I mean, they weren't really even asking him a question. They were trying to tear him down. And what's interesting is that the law that they were referencing clearly, clearly taught that both the woman and the man who were caught in adultery were both to be stoned to death. But they didn't bring the man. They only brought the woman. But why? Well, we don't really know why. But it's probably because they had their own blind spots. Because we all have blind spots. Maybe they felt bad for the man because they could relate to him more. Maybe they knew him, so they were covering up for him. Or maybe it was because they thought that Jesus might have more compassion on a woman, and so they just brought her to prove their point. Whatever the reason was, it's important to note that even the Pharisees and the scribes weren't actually following following the law to a T as much as they thought they were. And what's clear is that their goal wasn't about making sure justice was served. They weren't really putting these people on trial at all. They were putting Jesus on trial. They knew that Jesus had a track record of showing mercy to sinners. And so their goal was to demonstrate that Jesus would do that again and that he would do it by straying from the bounds of the law, by straying from the bounds of scripture in order to do so. So let's pause right here just for a second and realize that entrapment is everywhere and it can come from every angle, especially in the climate we live in today. I mean, sometimes it can come from religious people who are trying to see if you are holy enough or if you really believe what the Bible says is true. And sometimes it can come from irreligious people who are trying to poke holes in your faith and get you to doubt and get you to admit that you don't actually believe what the Bible says is true. The point is this stuff is coming from every angle and we have to learn to see it coming and we have to learn to see that it's a trap. And so we need to be ready to handle it the way Jesus handled it if we wanna be faithful and fruitful in this world. Okay, so number two, we need to see that there is always a way out. First Corinthians ten thirteen says, no temptation has ever overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can endure it. Guys, there are so many temptations that come when we feel like we're being trapped. So many, I know, For sure, I know firsthand. I know when I feel trapped or ambushed, I'm tempted to lash out or walk away or speak truth in a way that will hurt or just speak nonsense just to get out of the moment. Sometimes I'm even legitimately tempted to fall for their trap, which is to do what they want me to do, which is to go against the word of God, to disagree with scripture, to undermine the authority of the Bible. Guys, those are all real temptations we have in these situations. But the Bible teaches us that God will always provide us a way out whenever we are tempted so that we can endure it. So, just like in the movies, when we have the revelation that it's a trap and we start to feel our fight or flight instincts kick in, we need to just take a breath, take courage, and we need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us and lead us because he will. Jesus, in that moment, was able to keep his cool, hold his ground, love his enemies, and teach grace and truth without denying the law or going against what scripture taught. And guys, he will give us the ability to do that too. Because here's the thing, managing this tension between grace and truth, between God's law and God's grace, you guys, that's what the gospel is all about. The Bible teaches us that God's law is good for us because it teaches us how to live as God designed us to live. And it teaches us how to love God and love others. And it also teaches us that we all fail and that we all fall short of his standards and therefore we all need grace. You see, God's law shows us our need for God's grace. These things work hand in hand. Romans 5, 20 and 21 says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as the more people sinned, the more God's grace became abundant. And so just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with Christ, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Guys, we have to see that God's law and God's grace, they do not work against each other. They were created to work with one another. This is not something that the scribes and the Pharisees understood yet. They didn't understand grace. They only knew the law. And today, lots of people only know one or the other. They only know law or they only know grace. And because they don't understand the tension, the push and the pull, they just tend to cling to one side or the other. But you can't have one without the other because, again, they were created to work together for our own good. We have to understand that in order to understand the Bible. So when the scribes and the Pharisees said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, the law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? Jesus knew that they didn't understand how law and grace work together. And so he didn't just give them a simple answer because they weren't even asking the right question. So he did something different. He did what we all need to do in these moments, which is speak straight to their hearts. Number three, we need to speak straight to their hearts. You guys, Jesus showed them their own need for grace. You see, it's so easy to talk about other people and their sins, but it's never easy to talk about our own that hits home, right? I mean, that is way too uncomfortable. But that's what Jesus did. He always spoke straight to the person's heart. He always was like, you know what, let's not talk about them. Let's talk about you. And he did it in such a beautiful way. Verse six, it says, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. In verse seven, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then in verse 8, he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Now, what's so frustrating about this text is that no one knows what Jesus wrote down that day. Well, no one except Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes. And that's because Jesus made sure that it was private for their sake. Because even though these guys were trying to trap him and like publicly take him down, Jesus spoke to them privately. And he did that because he loved them and had compassion on them. And so he wrote down something that day. We don't know what it was, but we do know that it spoke straight to their hearts. Now, from context clues, most people, including myself, think that he probably wrote down and named some of their sins and then stood up and said, All right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Now, this statement would make it hard for anyone to throw a stone, but It would make it especially hard for these guys to throw a stone if Jesus just literally wrote down their sins. I mean, they must have been like shocked that Jesus even knew that stuff. You know that stuff that everyone is so good to keep so well hidden? You guys, Jesus in that moment somehow reminded these guys that they were sinners too. And we all need that reminder. Because sometimes it's so easy for us to forget how sinful we are. Sometimes we can fool ourselves into thinking that we're actually not that bad or we actually deserve our righteousness. But when the writing is on the wall, or in this case, in the sand, it is good for us to be reminded of our sins and our shortcomings because that's what causes us to stop being so judgmental about the sins and the shortcomings of others. Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Guys, this is why a regular practice of confession is so good for our souls. It's really important that we do not lose sight of our sin and therefore our own need for grace. I read a story about this one dad who asks his kids every morning, he says, how big is your sin? And they open their arms wide. And then he says, how big is God's grace? And then they open their arms even wider. Guys, we all need that reminder. We all need to keep both of those things in our sight because number four, we need to only give what we have been given, which is grace. The Pharisees and the scribes, they experienced Jesus giving them grace that day. Jesus could have publicly exposed them, condemned them, rebuked them, probably even stoned them to death right then and there because of all that he knew. But instead, he offered each of them grace. And by humbly receiving his grace, they then turned around and gave that same grace to this woman that Jesus had just given them. So, in verse 9, it says, When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So, If any of us ever feel like we are ready to pick up some stones and cast them at other people because of their sin, let us first remember our sins and the grace that Jesus constantly is giving to us. Because when we do that, we will drop those stones once and for all, because that is not the way of Jesus. Jesus said that he didn't even condemn this woman who was caught in adultery, and so of course we shouldn't either. Jesus offered her grace, And that's what we have to offer other people as well. Now it's important to note that Jesus did then say to her, now go and sin no more, which brings us to number five. Number five is we need to always be for people, but never for sin. Jesus didn't condemn her, but he didn't condone her sin either. He didn't say it's no big deal. Everyone sins. You're fine. You just do you. No, He acknowledged her sin and acknowledged her guilt and then said to her, now go and sin no more. Now, after reading this story, let me ask you a question. Don't you think it's clear that Jesus loved this woman? I mean, don't you think it's clear that Jesus was for this woman? Of course, of course he loved her and was for her. But what's also clear is that even though he was for her, he was not for her sin. Guys, please do not believe the lie of this world that says that my sin is who I am, so if you are for me, then you have to be for my sin. That's just not true. That's not how it works. Jesus shows us right here that it is very possible to love people but not love their sin. Jesus constantly hung out with sinners, became friends with sinners, ate with sinners, but never did he condone or celebrate or love their sin. Guys, Jesus is always for us, always, but he is never for sin. And that's how we should be too. We should always be for people, all people, but never for sin. And finally, number six, which is our last point, we need to help people see the goodness and kindness of God. And we do that by helping people connect the dots between God's law and God's grace. What I hope you will see today is how God's law and God's grace work together. God's law shows us what is right and what is good. And it shows us our need for God's grace. They work together. They're the push and the pull that we all need every day to show us our need for a savior. It's exactly what this woman needed. And it's it's exactly what these Pharisees and these scribes needed as well. I mean, think about it. They were all confronted with how they broke God's law which they needed to see, and they were all given God's grace, which they needed to receive. Guys, that's what we all need. That's what everyone needs. Everyone you meet, every conversation you have, every social media ambush that there is, everyone needs to know the goodness and kindness of God that is revealed to us through the law and the grace of God. Romans 2.4, it teaches us that it is the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And what I hope that you will see today is that both the law of God and the grace of God are both evidence of the kindness of God. It's not a good cop, bad cop thing. It's all good. It's all kind. It all leads us to repentance, to humbly turn to Jesus, to put down the stones, and to walk away from our sin, which enslaves us, so that instead we can be free and become children of God. Guys, these conversations can go well when we can help people see, often through our own testimony, the goodness and the kindness of God. The goodness and the kindness of God that comes through both the law of God and the grace of God. Amen? Amen.